Hi, I'm Paul Camillos. Join me and my co-host Jacinta Gavin for Series 4 of Shooting the Breeze. We cover women's hoops and women in hoops. We talk to inspiring players, amazing coaches and the legends behind the scenes and at the grassroots of the game. During this series we'll be covering the FIBA Women's World Cup where the 12 best teams of the planet are coming to Sydney. And of course, we'll be covering Australia's longest running women's professional sporting league, the WNBL, in its 43rd season. Hit that subscribe button, like and review so we can get more Hoops content to you. Welcome to Shooting the Breeze. In this episode, we're continuing with part two of our WNBL review. With round one concluding this weekend, we cover last season's playoff team, Adelaide Lightning, along with perhaps one of the most anticipated teams of the season, with the return of the GOAT, Lauren Jackson suiting up for the Southside Flyers. Finally, to round it out, we cover the Sydney Flames and the Townsville Fire, two teams that have some exciting additions in both local talent and imports. Of course, we know it's early days and pre-season games don't always predict how a team will perform across what's going to be a tough and competitive season. One thing history does tell us, it's about how a team responds to these challenges that sets the tone, that and of course, some luck. Since we recorded this podcast, there's been some late announcements and updates on rosters. Regardless, one thing we can all agree on is that it's going to be a tough season of women's hoops. So let's let's start off with Adelaide and have a look and see what's going on there and what we think might be happening. So first of all, there was, there was an ownership change in Adelaide, and they've got an interesting um, interesting squad. I think you know a few changes, and they've kept a few players on. So, what's your take on Adelaide? Yeah, Adelaide. Um Pretty much half of the roster from last season is staying, and then they've kind of changed the the second half of the roster. But I think still having half of the same roster from last season is good to try and have as many of the same core group as you did. So that includes like Brooke Basham, Chelsea Brooke, Marina Whittle, Steph Talbot, Sam Simons, they're all staying. And I think that's a pretty solid yeah. core group to be staying as well. Um then they've added Abby Cabillo. Uh, they've got two new imports, which will be really interesting. And their DPs is local talent as well. So I feel like as well throughout the episode, we'll be making reference to a lot of local talent that is debuting into the WNBL next season. Um, but for Adelaide, I think, you know, one of their their imports, are one's a guard, one's a centre. So the centre being Jacinta Monroe, who has history of playing for the Washington Mystics and playing in Europe most recently. So I feel like that's going to fill the shoes of Alana Smith and Kylie Shook from last season. Mm. Um, and it's nice to have another import centre because I feel like, especially in the last couple of years, you know, given COVID and things like that, the league has definitely hasn't seen as many import centres as perhaps us as fans would like. Um, and the other yeah. import being uh, Kirsten Bell, who's from the Las Vegas Aces, so she'll be coming straight off a WNBA championship. Um, and she was actually a first-round pick in the most recent WNBA draft, being drafted number 11, and she's a guard. So I'd be pretty interested to see how, how she goes for her debut WNBL season. Uh, and then Lauren Mansfield coming back home as well. So I, I feel like they have a decent spread. Maybe 
a few more guards than than perhaps they would like, but still a pretty solid team. It looks like they've made some really interesting adjustments in amongst the players that they've changed over. It's interesting seeing Lauren Mansfield going back to Adelaide. I mean, she was co-captain at the Flames last season. Mm. So, but there were times when she probably wasn't, I don't know, she just seemed a little bit out of sorts at the Flames from time to time. And hopefully, you know, she'll be able to settle in here. She did end her season with the Flames with a couple of injuries as well, I think, though. So um, perhaps yeah. that was a good reason to, to go back home and get a little bit more support around that. But then having said that, in the meantime, she had a successful Com Games campaign. So perhaps it's just a, a matter of being in a different environment and a, a different system that might suit her playing style a bit better. Yeah. Yeah, very true. Okay. So, and a new coach, new head coach. Yeah, Natty Hurst. Yeah. Yeah, seven-time WNBL champion Natty Hurst. Yes. Also a long-standing PG in the league. So I think it's really great. I feel like, um, you know, with the likes of Mansfield, Bell, Cabillo um, in those guard spots, they're going to learn a lot from Natty. I think that would be a really nice fit. Um, And I feel like Marina, for some reason, my instincts are telling me that Marina Whittle and Nat Hurst are going to be a really good combo. I see a lot of similarities in their approach to their games. Okay. Now, you know, I mean, Natty was uh, assistant last year. She stepped up into the the big chair this year. And, you know, obviously we'll learn a lot from Chris. How do you think it's going to be? I mean, you know, it's always a bit, bit interesting first season as a head coach. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think um, I don't think Nat would have put her hand up to be head coach if she didn't feel like she was ready. Um, I've heard her say on the record yep. on, an, on, a, on another podcast that she obviously has learnt a lot from Chris, but she's also been taking notes from different coaching experiences and playing experiences and trying to collate the parts that she really likes and what she wants to implement as a head coach from her whole career and kind of making her own new playbook in a sense. So, I think it'll be a great opportunity for her to finally get to try out some things that she's probably wanted to try out last season but maybe didn't have the opportunity to and really uh, give it a proper test run to see if it's suitable for this group or for the league or not. Okay, so do you think they've got the firepower to make it to the top four? Oh, let me have a quick review. Oh, it will be close. I think it will be close for them to make top four. I reckon between them and perhaps someone like Bendigo or Townsville, those three teams will be fighting out who will come fourth. Okay. Yeah, it's like looking at the teams, it's almost like you you got a pretty comfortable feeling there's going to be a couple of top slots are pretty much set early up in the season. It's that third, fourth, fifth spot. There's going to be a lot of fighting going on for those ones, I think. Yeah, I definitely agree. And with this Adelaide team, you know, you've got Mansfield and Talbot with their experience and Whittle, obviously, with her experience now having a great Com Games campaign as well with Mansfield. So those two now having played together in that setting and now coming into their Adelaide team, that's a really big advantage. But I would, yep. I'm really hoping Chelsea Brook had a great season last year and I'm hoping that she goes strength to strength and steps up again next season for the Lightning. But someone I really want to see come out of their shell 
and they definitely have the potential to do so is Sam Simons. She had a great debut season last year. She was my rookie of the year pick, but then, you know, they changed it to what the yep. under 23 play or whatever. So you're competing with Ezzy for something like that. So you're not going <laughs> to, no offense, yeah. but you're not going to win. Um, <laughs> but if it was purely a back to a rookie of the year award, Sam Simons would have been my pick. So I'm pretty keen to see how she goes. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you there. I think also the thing that's going to, going to be interesting is let's be honest nat hurst is i mean I, I think she was one of the toughest players i've ever seen play in the wnbl if she brings that that attitude into this team i think it's going to be really interesting it'll be interesting to see which of the players really react well to that as well yeah i agree i think that's a good point i i really think she will bring a lot of toughness to this team uh, based on some of their preseason highlights, I was already dry reaching at the thought of having to do that conditioning because I imagine there'd be lots of sprints <laughs> and lots of spewing. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can guarantee that she's bringing in toughness and I think she's also gone on the record to say that she's putting in a lot of effort to help the girls bond off court as well, try and develop a really yeah. positive team culture so that's easy, a better transferred when it comes to game time. Yeah, I think it's going to help them. And, you know, if they're, if they're really well-conditioned, as they, you know, they seem to be getting, and they've also get that same, even get close to the sort of toughness that Nat Hurst had, they're going to surprise some teams, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think the matchup between Adelaide and someone like Bendigo is yeah. probably going to be one of my favourite matchups of the season. Yeah, I can see this team giving some other teams a real run for their money. Um, okay, I suppose we can call this one, you know, the elephant in the room or Southside, mm. who have come in and gone, yep, we've got LJ. Yep, pretty much. Okay, so let's have a look first. Actually, and before we look at the player roster, I want to say I'm really impressed that Southside has got an all-female coaching staff this season. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if it's the first time ever in the league's history if it was an all-female coaching staff, one to four, all-female. I'm not sure, but I'm certain there's going to be somebody out there in the audience who's going to know the answer to that one. So if you do, hit us up, let us know. Um, okay, interesting roster. Some interesting names have shown up there. Well, I mean, one of the ones that's really interesting who's come from the Boomers and moved across to the Flyers, Carly Ernst. You know, we've got Abby Bishop's there, uh, Maddie Rochi's back, LJ, obviously, Beck Cole, Sarah Blickavs, Nadia Pwok is there, uh, which is an interesting pickup. What do you think of that one? Awesome. Great pickup. Uh, herself and Dallas Loftridge, two yep. juniors that played at the World. I'm pretty sure they both played at the World Under 19 World Cup last year. Really great pickup. They're both very talented. I think they both have long careers and potentially even Opals in the future. Um, I reckon really, really good pickup. Really good pickup in a sense as well. They've both just graduated from the COE. They're both very talented. I think it's the prime time for them to go straight into a program like with Southside, especially when they have now the opportunity 
to train next to and learn from the likes of Maddie Rochi. So Dallas and Maddie Rochi, what a great matchup. Dallas is going to get a lot from working with Maddie Rochi and uh, especially and Beck Cole as well. Um, and then for Naya to match up next to the likes of Abby Bishop and even Sarah Blissavs, she's going to get a lot from both of them. You know, Bishop and Blissavs both having a wealth of experience and um, Sarah also going through a similar situation, I suppose, going straight from when she was in the AIS and playing locally in Melbourne uh, and then back to Bendigo and then back to Dandenong. Uh, so she can probably share some of that experience with the two young guns as well. So there's a lot of off-court stuff that they can probably gain from being in this roster. So I think, yeah, I'm really excited for both of them. But, I mean, I know we can see this roster online from the WNBL website. I was trying to look on socials just before we started recording to see if there was a full roster. <laughs> from Southside, because I think this is the one team where I'm like, I don't know your full roster. They haven't announced any DPs. I'm not sure if the likes of Chelsea D'Angelo is coming back. But then I've seen another player. I think her name is Alana Hollingsworth. I've seen her pop up a lot on the Southside socials, but she's not <laughs> mentioned in any announcements that she's either on the roster or a DP. So I'm going to guess she's a DP at least. Because um, I'm pretty confident that she has come off a good NBL one season and perhaps some time in college as well. But um, yep. yeah, I don't know what what is going on. I know that they've got LJ great. So yeah, Lina Hollingsworth. She played for Santa Clara. There we go. And she's on Instagram suited up in some Southside Fly stuff. So okay, well that's always a good sign. <laughs> now. Interestingly, here's another team that's not showing any imports. Now, do you think that it could be a late announcement? No, I, I think this is it. I think from what I've heard, and I think I can't remember if we've talked about it before in a previous episode or you and I have talked about it off air, but from what I've heard, based on that season when they had Cambage. That was a bit mm. of a financial hit to the club and perhaps they're still recuperating. But now they've got the likes of LJ and Ernst. I mean, Ernst would have had to be getting something quite attractive to go from a championship boomers team over to Flyers unless there was something else, you know, that, um, you know, convinced Ernst to go from, from Melbourne to Flyers. I'm not too sure. But I feel like the budget is done and they won't have imports. I feel like this will be it. And compared to the the roster, the bench roster from last season and the season before, they had the likes of Saray Taylor, Taylor Gillum uh, for both of those seasons, I'm pretty sure. But they've both left, so a lot of their experienced bench won't be returning. So I'm not too sure who's going to fill those spots from, you know, 9 to 12. Yeah. So... Do you think this is a team that's going to be in the top two? Surely. Surely they've got to be top two. <laughs> if you've got the big three of Ernst, Bishop, LJ, can all yep. be strong under the basket, can all knock down a three. LJ and Abby Bishop have played before at the Caps. They've got great chemistry. Then you're going to add scoring power of Beck Cole. You're going to add the the give and go and the distribution from both Rochies. Like, sure. And then, um, I mean, Sarah Blissards does what she does. She does a little bit of everything. 
She's yep. always going to be high on the list for the opposition coaches to scout. Surely this is a top two team. Yeah. yeah the I, best centre in the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look, got to say, I see them as a top two team. One of the things that, for me, is also the, the other factor that comes into this is if you look at the coaching staff, you got the coach, and we know, you know, we know Cheryl is is a great coach, and you've got Belinda Snell there as the assistant coach. They're both players' coaches, you know, and they're the sort of coaches that can get the best out of the out of the roster. So, add that into the mix, and you know, I think definitely this is a top two team. They've got the experience to do it. They've got the skill to do it. The only thing is, you know, they get, like as you said, they they could be a bit light in the in the bench, and if that's the case, you got to be hopeful that there's nothing comes up which is going to take one of these players out for a couple of games, because I think the league this season is going to be so tight that a couple of games could be the difference between you know top four and not. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I hope it's that tight of a season where it will just come down to a couple of games or dropping a home game or for and against points or whatever they still use to calculate it. But the biggest challenge for the Flyers is like they have to work out who they are and how mm. strong they can be without LJ. Because we know LJ, we know her history of getting back into the Opals, the history of injuries, all that kind of stuff. We can't guarantee she's going to have the perfect run for her first WNBL season back. I mean, it's going to be so many training sessions a week. I'm sure she's going to be managed on, you know, minutes on the court, minutes of training time, types of training and etc. to help prevent any kind of injuries where she doesn't play. But the Flyers have to be really smart and be able to be just as strong or have some other strategies and an identity of who they are when LJ's not playing. Yeah. And, and look, we saw that during the Women's World Cup that LJ, her time on court was managed throughout the entire competition. So again, for you know a longer season where it's going to be a lot of tough games, we're going to, I'm pretty sure we're going to be seeing her on court minutes managed very carefully by by Cheryl. And the other thing, you know, the downside of the Flyers is that they had a strong bench and they didn't rely on their bench last year. They were really badly stricken with COVID. I'm pretty confident that some of their players had COVID at least twice in one WNBL season. I know that yeah. uh, I think from memory, some of them unfortunately contracted even Delta, which really wiped out their immunity and their their respiratory system. And for, an, for a professional athlete, that's not ideal. Um, no. But they didn't go to their bench. I think they went to a point of either forfeiting a game or postponing a game because they didn't want to use their bench, which I thought was a little bit unfair on the bench considering how much talent they had that they didn't use. So are they going to make the same mistake of, you know, filling filling the roster with people that they don't feel like they can rely on when they're down on numbers? Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, if they're all in good health, That'll counteract the need for going deep into the bench. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how they perform. But this is a team that, at this point, before the season starts, I'm seeing them as a top two. Yeah. If everyone stays fit and healthy, definitely top two. Yep. Okay. 
Sydney. Ah. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Sydney. Okay. Now, before we get into the roster on the website or anything else, the first thing I want to say is, and I'm, watching, I'm looking at you shaking your head. God. The first, the first thing I got to say is, hopefully there will not be the same rollover of imports that there was last season. The revolving door of imports—that is one of my biggest fears for Sydney going into this season. The curse of the import, the revolving door of imports. Yeah, I really hope <laughs> that doesn't happen again for them. <laughs> At the same time, I hope that the imports enjoy their ex- playing experience and their time in Australia as much as possible so they can perhaps think about coming back or telling their friends to come and come over and play in an Australian summer because that revolving door of imports is not a good look for Sydney. I mean, a lot of it was unfortunate because it was injury yeah. and they had to scramble very last minute to try and find some other replacements because, you know, you get to a point of the year where – you players are booked you're done mm. so i really hope that these two imports in jocelyn willoughby and hannah i'm going to take a stab apologies if i pronounce this incorrectly but hannah uh Svergen from minnesota south dakota mexico uh six three small forward um i really hope that they like their <laughs> like their time here and that they stay healthy and that they play the whole season now first there was a practice game against, or a preseason game against Canberra, mm-hmm. and it was a one-point game. Mm-hmm. It was pretty. It seemed to be pretty tight scoring all the way through. As I was looking at the scores online, do you think that being able to be to be held so tight by Canberra is a good thing or a bad thing for the Flames at this early stage, given it's so much of a changed roster? Um, I didn't see too much of the box scores or the minutes. I think if I had a chance to look at the minutes and box scores and stuff, it would have given me a better indication of whether that result was good or bad. Um, Mm. I think, you know, I did get some intel from one of our loyal listeners about the game, but I I can't completely recall uh, if it was this (laughs) particular game or a different or a second practice match perhaps. About, but my understanding is that at least one of the games, you know, the Flames only really played five, six players, whereas yeah. the Caps, I th- I can't. Maybe this was the second practice match that they played, but yeah, the Flames played five, six players, and the Caps, you know, rested some of their main players, winning by one. It's just it's too hard to say without being there in terms of looking at the team dynamic, looking at the box score and the number of minutes. Preseason is can, can never really be a sound indicator of how the rest of the season can go because sometimes coaches will use preseason purely. Obviously, you want to test some stuff out. You want to test out combos and different plays, but it's also a really good opportunity to perhaps test out the combos you wouldn't normally expect to use in a normal game situation or perhaps some plays and strategies that you're only really going to use if you get desperate. So it's not always, I guess, a true representation of what this team's got. Um, But I guess considering it would have been a fairly even matchup if the full rosters were playing, both teams having a good spread of imports, experienced players and young players. But 
The Sydney roster, I mean, like you said, the WNBL website, they've listed six players. Uh, something really needs to change there at Hoops Capital with their updating of their rosters. And I'm not too sure if I've seen an official team list online either. Have you? Uh, not not so. Not that I've seen. Mind you, they could have been waiting because they recently announced a, uh, a commercial uh, arrangement with a new sponsor. So they could mm-hmm. have been waiting to get that before they put the team up on the on the website. That's a really um, good point, actually. That would explain a lot. Plus, on top of that, it's all new look, you know. The blue and the yellow is gone. It's black and silver. Yeah, interesting choices um, in black and silver. Yeah, um, and... The end. Do you have, <laughs> uh, so that's as far as you want to go with that one. I don't... <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't excite me. There's nothing wrong with black and silver. It just doesn't excite me. And me being a Flames fan since I was, what, seven, eight years old, it yep. does, for me it doesn't connect the legacy of Flames of the Old, which was the team with Robin Ma, Michelle Timms, Shelley Gorman, who went through to win a WNBL championship in an undefeated season mm. to now. To, there's a complete, for me, there's a disconnect between the two. And granted, the old uniform was navy blue and fluoro orange. Yep. But I still think I'd prefer that to the black and silver. It's just not exciting. And what does that have to do with flames? You know, like charcoal and magnesium. Ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Really bringing out the- my science nerd today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, Okay. I'm I'm gonna put this out there. Uh, black and silver. I mean, it's it's a good looking combination of colours. That being said, I agree with you. There's the connectedness to the history of the team. Just it's effectively been broken. So why why do that? I'm not sure. I agree with you. Black and silver has nothing to do with flames. The old colours, you know, blue, blue, orange, blue, yellow. It did, you know. But Look, at least we won't see those ugly away gold uniforms back, so that's a blessing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Which, depending on some courts, depending on the the color of the floor, the, the the uniforms used to blend in when you were watching on TV. Yeah, yeah, that was so disorientating. I'm sorry, okay. Paul Smith, if you hear this, but yeah. <laughs> hopefully you won't. <laughs> uh, so we're not going to be on the Christmas invite list. No, no. There goes my chance of being in the celebrity Sydney Kings game. But anyway. <laughs> so, look, where do you think the teams – I mean, they can only go up from where they did last season. Yeah, I feel – I still feel for them for last season. I mean, coming out of COVID, the revolving yep. door of imports, um, really having a talented roster and still being very competitive – and a lot of the games, the scoreline didn't really reflect how competitive they were in those games. It was just one of those one of those seasons where they'd be competitive for three and a half quarters and then at one point in the game they would have just a rough patch and that would end up being their downfall and a loss. This is another, of all the teams, I know I've said this already twice before, but of all the teams this season, this is the most guard-heavy team. Yep. They're, and all of the guards are scorers. Great. But, you know, essentially everyone needs to be able to score. But when you have too many 
guards with a score first mentality, that is a lot of ego to manage. Mm. Um, that is going to be the biggest challenge for this team. People are going to have to sacrifice the number of shots that they are used to taking or that they want to take to give it up to someone else. People are going to have to sacrifice court time that they would like that they would normally expect or would want. Um, I'm going to be very interested to see. I feel like there's just too many chiefs in this team from a guard perspective. So I'm going to be very interested to see who's going to be able to have the maturity and sacrifice their minutes and number of shots for the greater good of the team getting a win. There's just a lot of combinations of people where I'm like, on paper, I don't see how this is going to work. But not saying that I don't want it to work, saying that I, I really hope it does. But there's going to have to be some very open conversations between players of having to sacrifice stuff to make sure that the team get a win. Yeah. Look, a couple of things here for me is bringing Vanessa Panousis in is bringing in some experience and, I mean, for want of a better term, a cooler head for those mm. times when things really get get heated on the floor, where things are tough, you know, you're down a few points, the clock's running out, you've got a player who's who's played not only in the WNBL but has also played overseas and has that enough experience to be able to to manage the emotions that occur at that point in time of a game, mm. um, which is good. But then, you know, Funda's not back. Which no. to me surprised me a little bit because I haven't seen her show up on any other rosters in the WNBL. No, so it looks like she hasn't signed on to play WNBL next season. My guess is perhaps she just wanted a break, mm. um, but she has re-signed to play with Sandringham in the NBL One South, so at least she's still playing. Maybe it's a point in the life where she either needed a break or perhaps... I don't know, maybe WNBL wasn't for her anymore. I'm not too sure what the thought was behind her decision-making. It is a shame, though, that she won't be returning because I really enjoyed watching her play. I think she's yeah. got a lot to offer. But and in this Sydney roster, hmm? I was just going to say, wasn't it late last season that she ended up having a pretty bad hit on uh, the game that was played up at Hills? Yeah, I think you're right. I think she uh, copped a hit to the face. I think she broke her nose. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Do you think maybe she's she might have sort of gone? Okay, let me just sit this season out, or you know, is she going to go and play back in Turkey? Because you know she is a Turkish citizen, so she can play back there as well. Yeah, that's definitely a possibility as well. Because that's quite a decent competitive league over there. I haven't seen anything. She doesn't post too much on socials, which usually gives me an indication of where players are moving. Given you know so many players from WNBL, NBL one. Fringe WNBL players have all gone to play for Europe. So Taylor Gillam, for example, who we were talking about before from the Flyers, she's gone to play in Europe as well. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's a shame that Funda isn't playing. But just going back when we say guard heavy, I forgot to mention that one of the imports, Jocelyn Willoughby, is a six-foot shooting guard. Why? When you've got when you're Shane Hill and you've got your daughter Shyla, who's a, a shoot-first point guard. Would you, and then you go and sign Tiana, who's a mm. shoot-first point guard. Then you've got Panousis, who's also a shoot-first guard. Why would you sign an import that's a six-foot shooting guard? Are, are, is your game plan that you're just going to rain threes? 
Like you're going to shoot more threes than layups? Is this what we're going for? Because then you've got uh, Maddie Allen rounding off the roster who's come from MBL 1 North playing with the Spartans. She loves the three. So I just don't understand when you've already got local talent you've signed first as your shoot first guards, then you get a shooting guard as an import. So what is that role then for Jocelyn Willoughby? Coming in as an import, traditionally imports with the uh, assumed responsibility that they're going to be a primary scorer, getting primary minutes. Who, who's the one that's going to be sacrificing shots and giving Jocelyn Willoughby uh, all of the shots and then getting in instead sacrificing shots for improving their assist count? Who's going to be doing that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, look, l- let's be honest. We all know that, that Shane Heal is not one who's shied away from shooting the three ball. Um, no. and coaching people to shoot the three ball. So, yeah, maybe maybe the Flames are lining themselves up to be an outside shooting team this season. Yep, it must all just be coming off, off three. So you're going li- to be living and dying by the three. And I guess loading up on all those shoot-first guards that can hit a three, if Shyla and Tiana are having an off day, then it'll be up to Jocelyn and... Uh, you know, oh, Hannah will hopefully be playing inside uh, at 6-3. But it will be up mm. to Panousis and Jocelyn and, you know, we've still got Kira Rowe. She can shoot a three. Yep. you got Emma Clark. Now, Emma Clark, she can shoot a three. She's a lot taller of a guard compared to the ones we were talking about. But I actually saw Emma Clark the next day after the Women's World Cup finished and she was in a knee brace. So... Mm. um she was in a knee brace. Apparently, it was just a precaution, but she is struggling with a knee injury at the moment. So, hopefully, she'll be able to be ready by the start of the season. But, yeah, it looks like um, on any given day, one of these guards are going to be hot from the free point line, and that's the game plan. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that one pans out. You know, the, I mean, look, until we see the first couple of games of the season, it's going to be hard to tell. But it'll be interesting to see how that one goes because, yeah, it's, like you said, they are guard heavy. heavy. Okay. So out of the top eight, where do you see the team? I feel like what I've already said about Sydney has, I can see how what I've said is going to be taken the wrong way. Um, But that's not (laughs) my intention at all. My intention isn't to to badmouth Sydney at all. I'm just calling it how I see the current roster and what I know of the people on the roster. So um, it's not my, my intention here isn't to bag out Sydney at all. <sighs> this one's tough. It's all going to come down to sound decision-making on the day of the game. Like yep. I said, people having to sacrifice shots and minutes for the greater good of the team winning. If they can commit to that consistently, <sighs> I mean, they can come middle of the road. They can come middle of the table, I think. I don't think they're getting to top four. Yeah, I think, unfortunately, I think they're up for another season where they're going to be super competitive, but I don't think they're going to be able to clinch the wins when it comes to the stretch of the game. Prove me wrong, please. (laughs) Please, Sydney, prove me wrong. Okay, so look. I, look, I, and I understand what you were saying. It's like if you're just looking at it purely from the performances and what the, the, the way the players are known for playing, yeah, it's it's going to be difficult to see them doing anything other than sort of trying to do that 
you know, outside or mid-range shooting to be able to score. That being said, you know, if the, if that is the plan, it could certainly disrupt the play styles of some of the other teams, and that could definitely work into to Sydney's benefit. Look, last season, if I remember right, I was saying that, you know, I could see them coming in sort of sixth, fifth. I see the team coming back into that at that level. I think if they had more stability last season, not as many roster changes, and had they been able to to keep a core of players and build forward, they probably could have from last season, they probably could have been able to move into a, you know, fighting for being in the top four. I think, you know, this season is get up there and then next season you're going to be aiming for the top four if you can keep that stability in place. And and hopefully they will. I really hope they can because, look, let's be honest, Sydney loves a winning team. Yeah. Sydney (laughs) Sydney comes out for a winning team. Yeah, yeah. If the Sydney Kings and the the NBL, uh, the Sydney Kings attendances proved anything, it's definitely that. Um, yeah, yeah. I just, oh, just, I do hope in this situation that Sydney really do prove me wrong. I mean, their front court is is lacking. I mean, Keely Froling is great as a stretch four. She's not a five. As her game develops and as times go on, her, she will have to adapt to even a three spot. Which I'm sure mm. she's capable of doing, but when you've got you got Hannah the import and you at six three you've got Keely, um, you know I would love to refer to the rest of the roster to make sure I'm not missing anyone, but it's not listed on the website. Especially coming up against someone like the Flyers with LJ Bishop Ernst, Sydney yeah. are just there. That their front court's going to be totally exploited. Like who who in that Sydney team's marking LJ? Yeah. I want to see how the team ends up playing. I want to see a few games. And I think, look, to be honest, I think maybe Sydney might sort of sandbag a few a few of the preseason games after the the furor of last season as well. Yeah, I was really surprised that they, that they still had preseason <laughs> games against Canberra. <laughs> so I think this one's a wait and see. And the first four games are away as well. So yeah, that's tough. That's really, really tough. Um, I would be interested to know what helped determine that schedule that Sydney had to have four away games in a row to start the season. I'm guessing it was to do with uh, you know conflicting schedules with the venues and things like that. But that is a tough ask. Yeah, I think I think it must have had something to do. Well, I'm guessing that it had something to do with the um, with the availability of the key centre. Now that that's their new home court. Okay. Let's roll along to our next team, which is Townsville. Townsville, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know about this one either, to be honest. Still, plenty of talent, uh, a good core group that have played together with the likes of, you know, Courtney Woods coming off a great and and Steph Reid, you know, playing the last few seasons together for NBL 1 and M- and WNBL with up at Townsville. I mean, Loz Nicholson can slot in anywhere. Um, yep. Satina probably underperformed last season. I wonder if she was 100% herself. Uh, just reading her body language and some of her facial expressions in some games last season, she didn't look like she was really enjoying herself. So mm. I hope that she's found her spirit and, and fire you know, pardon the pun, 
in the off-season playing in NBL 1 South because she's got tremendous potential to be a leading centre uh, in Australia, obviously an emerging Opal being included in some of the squads for the World Cup. But, yeah, I don't know. I'm still a little bit sitting I'm, Yeah, I, I don't know about this about this team. I think they're... I think they'll be good, but I don't know if they'll be great. Yeah, but the, the couple of interesting pickups in the off-season, obviously they got Morgan Yeager from Sydney. And the other one that was interesting, interesting pickup, who came off a really strong season last season, was Michaela Roof. Mm. So, yeah, I, I really don't know. They've got a great coach. They can get great performances out of the team. But, again, last season there were a couple of times when it just didn't quite feel like they were really performing at the level that you would expect them to. And I'm just not sure how this is going to work this season. I hope they do well because Townsville, Townsville, when they when they really got it together, they're always an exciting team to watch. And, you know, Shannon is one of those coaches that really does get great performances out of the players. So it'd be great to see them sort of get back up there. And um, also I believe that... Um, that Susie is involved back with the team as well. Um, yeah, I think there was some Susie-led initiatives up there. I'm just going to quickly have a look on their Instagram. Again, Townsville, really good with their community engagement um, and their fan engagement online and always updating stuff on socials. That's really a really great asset for Townsville too. Yeah, here um, it is. Um they're having something called the Susie Deck, which is the best spot, one of the best spots in the house. Exclusive yeah, post game fun- function and things like that, which sounds exciting. Yeah. Um, and Susie has come in as a specialist coach. Ah, there you go. Now, what exactly is a specialist coach? Okay, so she's going to, okay, here it is. Uh, she's going to be a special specialist coach. Part of the coaching staff as a specialist spending an early morning weekly training session with the bigs. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's fantastic. That sounds exactly what they yeah. need, to be honest, because between McSpadden and and Zatina, yeah, both tremendous potential, but just need something to take them to that next level, something to push them to be to have a breakout season, so to speak. Yeah, and that could also explain the signing of Michaela Roof. You know, bringing in that experience as a forward, you know, to to be able to work with them as well. Because mm, l- yeah. let's face it, you know, Rufy's her performance last season was just amazing. It was one of the best. I think it was one of the best seasons she's had in the WNBL. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would love to see see her in the with some high low action uh, with mm. Zatina as well in the low post and Michaela in the high post. I'd love to see a little bit of that. Um, but they've also got their imports to come in too, Carly Samuelson and Tiana Hawkins, who have both had pretty decent WNBA experience. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see what their chemistry is going to be like with the team. To me, last year, I'm not. I would really like to know what was going on with their imports last season. Monique mm. Billings, Shug Sutton, also two very well experienced WNBA players coming in. Very quick exits. I mean, I'm not too sure if they just got to the point of the season when they realised Townsville weren't going to make the finals and just started to split for other endeavours. I know Shug Sutton did have some injury. I think Billings had a little bit of injury too, but it just all seemed a little bit 
quick and their exit seemed quite quick and quiet. So yeah. uh, I don't know what happened there. But I, I really hope Samuelson and Hawkins works out a little bit better for the fire this time around. Yeah, I, I hope so. And I also hope that Townsville can turn Susie's experience into on-court performance with their bigs. Because, mm. look, let's be honest, you know, when Susie on the court was just astounding to watch, if she can get them to be sort of playing with that sort of fire, pardon the pun, uh, <laughs> I think I, I think there could be some really interesting performances from that team. Yeah, in a similar way, as you said earlier, how Nat Hurst can instill some toughness into her Adelaide squad. Perhaps Susie can do the same with the bigs at Townsville. Yeah. I mean, if, if anybody can put that, that toughness in, it's definitely Susie. So that wraps up part two of our review. As we mentioned in part one, we knew this was going to be a tough season to predict. On paper, the Boomers and the Flyers look like hot contenders and it seems a fairly even spread amongst the rest of the teams, which is going to make for a really exciting season of women's hoops. Don't forget to drop us a line, let us know your thoughts and suggestions. Shooting the Breeze can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcast, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast with all your friends.